0: I think that being okay with not having any sort of extrinsic motivation, but instead finding some sort of internal purpose, whether that is you want to be able to keep up with your grandkids or you want to be the fittest adaptive athlete ever, whatever that purpose is, that each one of those goals and and purposes has value to the person that owns them.
1: this podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the Strategy of Fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gorn from the Strategy of Fitness podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness, and we also give you the best gym songs every week, the Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify.
2: Welcome back to the Strategy of Fitness podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Rowland. What's going on, boys? Hey,
1: man, I'm having a good Sunday night. The scaries are at a minimal. It was Master Sunday. It was a good weekend. It's tough to break me right now. I'm feeling pretty good. Rob, how are you?
3: I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I got a question for Nick here. Are, are you a tank top in public kind of guy, or is this just a home, home look for you?
2: I don't really do the tank top out in public much, unless I'm going to a beach. Okay. Let me let me ask you this. I think it's more acceptable for
1: someone like me to wear a tank top than you guys to wear a tank top because I don't really like if you have if you're like blown up, the tank top look seems douchey. But if you're like moderate, it seems like oh that guy just wants to wear a tank top. Thoughts? Discuss.
3: I, I don't disagree with that. I I mean I feel like if Nick's wearing his, his tank top in all these, I'm gonna be like, who does this guy think he is? He's in here like. Getting a pump in, trying to show off as he's picking up Parmesan crisps. Like, what's the deal? But if I if I see Dan there, I'm like, this guy's just a frat bro wearing a tank top.
1: There it is, man. I got my <laughs> got my chubbies on, got the Larry Bird Indiana State jersey. What the fuck is it up?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> that's well done. No, it's it's not an out and put it's definitely not in the grocery store, you know. That that that's a no go for me. But yeah.
1: Leave it to fucking Rob. Nick, Poor Nick just throws on whatever shirt is in the goddamn laundry basket. Rob gives a fucking seven-minute diatribe on it.
2: No, it's perfect. Last week we were talking shit on his hoodie, so this week's totally fine. Plus, I sat in the, in the backyard and drank canteens all fucking day. So I'm basically a lobster. You guys can't see it. The master sucked, by the way. Master Masters awful. suck.
1: One of the worst. I, I, I can say I'm kind of a closet Hideki fan just because he's been so good and he's just such a stud. But, I mean, it wasn't exciting like at all, you know?
2: Yeah, no. and my boy Shoffley was close, and then he choked on seventeen, right?
1: Sixteen, he hit you out of water. That was rough because he just had he had some momentum going in there too. Yeah, he was two back, three well, good. Well, I bet that asshole on sixteen. Thanks a lot, Shoffley. Dickhead.
3: Did you watch Rob? Maybe for like thirty minutes today. It just wasn't. It didn't didn't grab my attention.
1: Rob is one of the worst kinds of golf fans. Where if it's not Tiger involved, he has zero or less than zero interest. I'm kind of with you.
3: Dude, tell me you didn't get teared up when Tiger won the match? Oh, it was the
1: best. The 2019 match, one of the best moments of, of all time ever.
3: In sporting history. You, can, yes. you can't deny the man.
1: Love it. I don't, I don't hate Tiger. I can usually find somebody I want to win. Today was rough, though, man. It was like pretty much Yama all day. Nobody else really contended with him.
2: Yeah. Yo, how about you alpha-dogging us, Dan, and getting your barbell out in record time? Good for you, man. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Yeah. You, are you two of the dumbest people on the planet of Earth? You talk, or, or that, or you're just like leading me astray? I, I took the picture. I had all my tools out ready to roll. I was like, it's going to be a grind. Like, these, these dudes said this is going to be tough. I watched a YouTube video of some dude who was like, this is how you do it. It was literally a minute and 30 seconds long. I did exactly what he says. The barbell popped right out. I was like, are these the two dumbest people in the world? I didn't, I didn't ever look at a YouTube video. You just yeah. got a flathead screwdriver and you do all the things, all, all the individual staples from the inside, cl- click them all out, and then you do the staple from the outside, tear okay. out the top, well, you and
3: pop Yeah, you went oh. in with a plan. You did it the right way, man. We did. We had no idea. I had a box cutter, and I, tried, I was trying to get barbells out. And it just didn't work. I,
1: you know I'm so fucked on this podcast. If, if, I, if I went in and did it like you two assholes, like a caveman, just started smashing things, I would have gotten fucking roasted for seven weeks. Instead, I look up the goddamn directions and call you guys idiots, and, and now I'm getting roasted still. So.
2: The first one pissed me off so much. I was in the middle of the fucking thing stomping on it. I was so pissed. <laughs> I was so pissed. And then the second time, I got smarter with a hammer and a and a. Can't know, get
1: edge. any dumber than the first time. It sounds like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got smart. Okay, well.
2: It's yeah, bad. yeah, you got smarter than <laughs> literally a, a, an absolute ape. And not to mention, I probably could have rolled my ankle. That would have been the best.
1: How sick is that barbell though? I, I'm full. I, I love. Good. It. Yeah,
2: it's looks just, good. So. Did you put it to use this week? What'd you get into? <laughs> there goes I went, I, went, I went British again. I, we got shouted out by a UK fan f- listener, whatever you want to call him. Love yeah, that oh, guy. By the way, David, I love David, that guy as much as my family, David Hillier. Yeah, David, you you complete. <laughs> You're so important to me. And and everyone that listens over there, I, I'm betting it's Crowthorne. That's that's where our boys are. Yeah, our boys are in Crowthorne.
1: And if we ever get this big enough to do a live podcast, you bet your sweet ass we're going to Crowthorne. Catch a Premier League
2: Crowthorn. game and drink, drink, Hell yeah. a, drink a pint. So, remove my accent. Did you hit anything this week?
1: Yeah. So I've been doing every, every session of week one of Invictus and hit session one on week two. So it was three sessions a week. So did not use my barbell um, just because they have such a plethora of weights at the gym. And with Invictus, you're constantly changing shit up. So it's just, if I can get to the gym, I did that, but it's been going well. I sent you guys some snatches video, snatch videos, like nothing impressive weight wise, just some warm up and some, some lighter weight, but I'm just going by the percentages. I, I like how it's laid out with the specific percentages for your movements and it, you just work a lot on technique and and yeah it's a really cool program and then just hitting whatever wads i could nothing nothing to really nothing too sexy to talk about but i'm I'm really enjoying the invictus uh weightlifting stuff i can't recommend that highly enough it just takes f- forever
2: <laughs> well especially because you take forever to warm up i'm sure
1: oh all the time i, I like yeah. to talk to people you know stretch it yeah, yeah i gotta warm say warm
2: though warm. like the the the
3: wrist injury might have been a blessing in disguise because your form is like seriously coming along like your catches on the clean are looking so much smoother and you're just overall moving with the snatches
2: the snatch looks look good
3: dude athletic.
1: hey it's not much weight but I, I i'm really i'm really trying to not be an asshole i'm really trying to do good for him so bear with me guys you got bigger videos coming but we'll get there thanks thanks for all the help too i, I send these guys videos constantly and it's about you know pretty quick response time so you guys you guys have been big helps so um I can't always implement the stuff you say. Rob speaks in like, you know, Rob, you'll get like a sentence of like seven things and he puts it all in one sentence and then doesn't explain any of it. So usually there's like, within a given Rob text, I'll glean like one thing out of the six that he puts in. Nick is Nick is very to the point. I, <laughs> Rob knows maybe, you know, technically speaking, maybe more, but Nick, Definitely. Uh, your, your communication skills, Nick, I, I say are, are, Rob, you could use some he more. Said Nick. I was, he said
2: game. I looked like a silverback with mange. I was like, mange, that's <laughs> a thing fucking... That's that thing where they have like the skin disease, right? And I Google it. Absolutely it is. I'm like, what the fuck? Is that supposed to be a compliment? Yeah. Does you, it mean you, rabies? I, I,
3: you, you were like glistening in your garage. You you're totally hairless. <laughs> it was like a gorilla that lost. Dude, like- have, you
1: ever worked, have you ever worked out in the humidity of Southern Delaware? Do you know what he's dealing with over there? Of course he's going to
3: Well, <laughs> He's just so hairless. It impresses me every time I see his videos. Yeah me, yeah, me and Nick are a couple... We we don't have anybody
1: here. This is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty great. You're pretty hairless too, Rob. What are you talking
3: um, about? Not compared to you guys, I look like a gorilla without mange.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the gorilla with mange, they threw me off. I was like, what, the, what, that, what does that mean?
1: Dude, it takes me... Great. Rob's references take me so long to understand or get. I'll usually text back like, because I'm serious, and then I'll be like, oh, it was a reference. And I'll fucking go down to the like Wikipedia rabbit hole and learning about fucking animal diseases who the fuck knows what's going on in his head
2: between so, between Rob's references that are a rabbit hole yes and Dan just giving thumbs up on everything <laughs> that's your only way of communicating <laughs> well but th- th- that thread can be worthless sometimes and then there's just me just being a fucking jerk off half the time well, so. well
1: you send these ridiculous lists and after a while it's like what do you want me to say dude like <laughs> yeah if I fucking trained every day the rest of my life I couldn't fuck with that like it's awesome you're you're doing great like yeah thumbs up keep going like I, what do you want me to say? Like, yeah, you're fucking better than me. I'll go fuck myself.
2: Like, I don't know. You know, thumbs up. That's not what I want. I do like the thumbs up. It it makes me so happy.
3: It makes me so happy that my my references are like flummoxing you guys so much. I'm going to keep with it because sometimes I feel like you you just disregard my text. So I'll keep up with these comments.
1: Dude, never. And also with two kids and come home after a 12 hour day and Rob's quoting some 17th century, you know, British soldier or whatever, and and I'm just trying to like get to my phone. My brain's broken, and I just all send like a dumb text back because I don't get it. I miss fucking ninety percent of your references, and and (laughs) I think your jokes are serious. So keep them up.
3: (laughs) Oh, made my night. What'd you hit this week, Rob? I don't even want to say it because you know what this week was, but. I that? think it's important. Ten minute test.
2: Oh, it's a D deload. Oh, you you poor sweet. Little I got to start
3: calling it something different. So I did my my last two. This is I had four load lifts this week. I hit two of them on Saturday, Sunday. So just to to give a reference. So I my max front squat I'm working off of is like three forty. So I did three by five front squats at two twenty five on Saturday. And then I work on stuff that like I struggle with my, so my posture is one thing. So I'm going no hand front squats and I'm working on speed of descent. So it's not like a total like jerk off workout. Like I got some work in there and then like my D-load weeks is when I focus on abs and like cuff stuff. So I spend as much time working out. I just take a different focus. And then today was strict press. So I, I struggle with that, that start. So I was doing three second pause in the bottom with 145 for three sets of five. So it's nothing like extremely hard, but it's still a workout. And then this week I'll start getting back after it but yeah it's it's deload week so
2: i've i've had it well like you said the deload is misleading because there's there's plenty of work there thank you and it sounds like it's fine tuning it wasn't any 315 for for a triple but oh 315 tripled it. i don't know if i ever did that before but i did it today I felt good too i did i was I told you last week, I'm going to start hammering these GHDs and and strict pull-ups. The strict pull-ups aren't going to change the game for me because I'm pretty decent overall. So last week I did 340 strict pull-ups. I did 500 GHD sit-ups. I'm going to hit 500 for the next like four or five weeks. And I just have a premonition that all of my lifts are going to go up. It is a, there's a direct correlate to that core strength and all of these guys. They're all so good at all of these lifts. Yes, their legs are strong, but they never fail. You know, they're never that lawn chair that's, that's folding in the middle. And I think that's going to really help me. It, it, the 500 last week aren't the reason I hit a triple 315 today, but I, I just, I have a feeling. It's, so we'll a, it's an
1: interesting movement, right? Because it does get such a bad rep. But if you really think about it, you're strengthening the rectus through every possible range of motion that you can think of through flexion extension, right? So if you catch the bar, you know, if you're talking talk about any of your alley lifts, especially a snatch, if you're catching a little forward or a little bit backward, well, your core is going to be a little bit more ready for that. It would seem that if you're hitting those, those GHG sit-ups, what, what do you think about that, Rob?
3: I, I see what you're saying. That, that, that makes sense to me. It's always like the specificity of like the muscle action too, to say that like laying on your back and doing these high velocity sit-ups correlates to the lifts. I don't know. It, it's hard to say, but your, your rationale makes sense.
2: I have no idea, but I'll let you know, because I'm telling you right now, my legs aren't going to get that much stronger in the next five or six weeks. But if my core gets way stronger and I'm not missing lifts, you know, again, where I'm missing lifts specifically is three quarters of the way up. And you guys kind of see, I look like someone shot me with a taser and it's like, what's failing on you. And usually I think it's my core. So we'll see. One way or another. I did a couple of the quarterfinal workouts, not the way they're supposed to go. And that was kind of fun. I did event one, which was three rounds, a minute rest, three rounds, a lot of handstand pushups. And what was it? 10 strict handstand pushups, 10 hang power cleans with dumbbells, 50 double unders. You get a one minute break. Then it's 10 kipping handstand pushups. I kept that strict shoulder to overhead with the dumbbells and 50 double unders. Fun workout, cool to do in your garage. Again, I'm not doing those stupid things where I'm bouncing off my neck. And then what was the other one? Oh, the 120 and 120, cool workout. Dan, I know you said you're going to hit it. 120 wall balls, 120 cal row, doesn't get more simple than that. Super efficient, 935, wasn't dying, felt pretty good, actually. What should I hit on that? What's, what's my goal? What's the time cap on the quarterfinal? I, I don't know what it I, was. I know what it was. I don't think that you would have a terrible time with that. I don't
1: want to say wheelhouse, but that's that's two of my decent strengths. You know, I've done Karen and low sevens and then – That's what I'm saying yeah.
2: your you're Karen's not bad. So maybe three or four sets of wall balls, and then, like, I kept my row at about 1,300. Yeah. So that's, that's right at about 21 to 22 cows a minute. Yeah. So, yeah, give it a try. I think sub-12 for sure. All right. I'll I'll let you
1: guys know how it goes. And and I want to say, too, from last podcast, there was some nomenclature I was using that Rob kind of cleaned up in in the podcast. So if you do listen to it, I do care about this stuff. Listen to Rob. I fucking blew through the stop signs and fucking talked out of my ass. So from a semantics and and nomenclature standpoint, just fucking listen to Rob on that last one. And you can tell me to shut the fuck up. I know listeners are screaming in in, in their cars like, Dan. Quit it with the lactic acid. We're talking about the environment. I know you guys are screaming, but but Rob's got your back. And like I said, you can ignore me and listen to him. Sorry.
3: Nothing like a Dan apology on the podcast. Some of my favorite content we put out. They're gratifying for sure. They don't (laughs) happen often. Rob, tee up our guest. All right. So Casey Acree, adaptive CrossFit athlete, fitness coach, athletic trainer. Right, Dan? I don't think we we got into that in the interview. Yeah, we didn't get into the
1: interview. Review. But I think that when we had to reschedule, he was doing our uh, coverage for a game. So I think he does have an athletic training, sir, the athletic trainer.
3: Yeah, the, this guy just does it all. Born without forearm, I guess, it's like below elbow is where his his adaptive athlete falls in there. And if you have his credentials up there, I don't want to mess up his. It was a Wadapalooza champion in the adaptive category, and there were a couple other things in there. But man, this guy was four just,
2: times, I believe. Yeah,
3: well, four times. He was a great interview, a really great perspective, and just a, just a stand-up dude. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy.
2: Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness podcast. Casey Acre. what's going on, man? Not a lot, man. I'm happy to be here. Thanks
0: for having me, guys.
2: Yeah, thanks for joining. So we'll set the scene. Well, before we set the scene, what'd you hit in the gym today?
0: I did quarter fi- CrossFit quarterfinals test five this morning. Oh, tell us about it. <laughs> power snatches at 185, burpee box jump overs at 30 inches. It's an intense, pretty quick one. For me, that 185 bar, probably a little more challenging than most of the elite level guys. But I got through it before the time cap. I, I didn't have any misses on the power snatches and it, it was good. It was a fun one to finish up the weekend on.
2: Well, we'll of course tee this up and and people will know you know, as you're coming on who you are, but doing, what is it? 963, 185 power snatches as an adaptive athlete is ridiculous. So
0: how'd you attack that? Well, I was hoping to be able to do some segments of that as touch and go reps. For me, when I do, when I do snatches, I take my, I put my arm into a strap. So it's kind of a slow transition. Like doing singles is, is kind of slow for me. so. I wanted to try to be able to do at least some of the reps as touch and go, even if it was doing like two at a time, just here and there to take out a little bit of that transition time. So I went ahead, I went through the, the nines as just singles, just to kind of not blow up too early. I got to the sixes. I was hoping to be able to go three and three. I did the first two as touch and go, and I almost missed the second one. So then it was kind of like some singles here, here and there, some yeah. doubles to finish up that set. And it was, it was kind of just survival mode. Don't, don't fail any reps at that point, but yeah, just try to move as fast as I can without hitting that red line. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, that's awesome. Thanks for letting us know where you're at today, setting the standard in the quarterfinals of the CrossFit open. Take us all the way back. Give the listeners a little bit more formal introduction of who you are. And I think your story is really interesting. We'll, we'll go from there.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's, there's probably a lot of things I could say here, I guess, to kind of get to where I am today. So I was, I was born without the lower left portion of of my left forearm. So I have, I have my left arm down to just slightly below my elbow. So it was just a a birth defect, no real reason of, of why it happened. My parents knew before I was born that the limb had, had basically stopped developing. So Uh, you know, basically kind of a a long story short, a a large portion of my life has been becoming adaptive. And that's, that's kind of a word that I didn't really know about until a few years ago, whenever it started kind of popping up as, you know, a, a, a division in CrossFit competition. But for me, Growing up, trying to be an athlete, trying to be competitive in sports that I was interested in, I was always essentially doing just that. I was I was trying to learn how to adapt and do things as best as possible with, with what my body had available. So growing up, I, I grew up in a small town, blue collar family who was very, very supportive of me, but also... I'm extremely thankful for the fact that my family essentially just treated me like everyone else. They never allowed for my differences to be an excuse to you know not achieve what I was capable of achieving. And so I think that I always make sure to bring that up because I think that that's really important in my development as a professional, as an athlete that, I essentially just have always held myself to as high of a standard as possible. So I got into sports at a pretty young age. My older brother was a really, really good athlete. And I was always striving to try to keep up with him and and keep up with some of the other kids in the neighborhood and that kind of thing. So I played football, basketball, and I ran track when I was in high school, multi-year starter, letter winner, team captain in, in all of those sports through kind of some struggles with as a younger athlete, trying to kind of learn and uh, you know, like I said, kind of get myself to a level playing field with with my peers. But then you know, I, I always kind of had the mindset that if I was going to do it, I'm not just going to try to be the best one handed basketball player on the court. I'm going to try to just be the best basketball player on the court. So I think kind of having that mentality ingrained into me from an early age is kind of a big part of of what has kind of led me to be successful in CrossFit. So through my sports, that's, that's kind of obviously how I got into fitness and exercise when I was in high school, our athletic trainer was a a part-time CrossFit coach. So he kind of introduced me to some of the, those ideas. When I got into college, I was done with sports. I I didn't go on to compete in anything when I was in college. So I just got into, into working out and I did kind of like the, the bodybuilding thing for a little while I did kind of some of the long distance 5k stuff for a little while, got bored with, with that stuff pretty quickly, got back into CrossFit when I guess I was probably like a junior in college. So 20, 21 years old. So, so seven years ago, roughly, I, I kind of got back in, into CrossFit. I was a kinesiology major when I was in, in, in college. So I was learning to become a fitness professional while also you know kind of using my own training and my own body as as kind of a test subject so i essentially taught myself crossfit along with my one of my best friends who's now one of my business partners and it was kind of just we were we were doing it in the garage we were doing it in the rec center at at school and through just kind of you know diving into it i started learning how to adapt and modify movements to where i was able to essentially do them the same way for the most part as someone with two hands. And at the time, whenever I was, when I was first learning about CrossFit, I knew that there was CrossFit competition. I did not know that there was adaptive CrossFit competition out there, but I basically operated as if I I was going to be an athlete, knowing that there were gonna be things that that were going to be a, a serious challenge for me competing against someone who had two hands. But again, I think, Kind of going back to that, that, you know, being a youth and and being an athlete and being extremely competitive, sometimes almost to a fault of wanting to just be the best player on the court. You know, I, I always shot for that kind of that gold standard of not just trying to be good for having one hand, just wanting to be good. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of just uh, attacked it. I was having fun with it. It was something that was new to me and it was new challenges. And so after a couple of years of just training for the sake of training, I, I heard about and learned about some CrossFit competitions for adaptive athletes. And, and the first one that I ever did was Wadapalooza back in 2017. And so ever since then I've, I've been, you know, kind of annually making trips back to Miami, as well as adding some other adaptive and able-bodied competitions into my, you know, kind of season and and training preparation over the last few years.
1: Casey, great to have you on. We saw, and and that's an awesome background and story for all the listeners. I think Nick and myself were turned on to you. I think you might've shot me a message. I think you kind of went viral a little bit. You hit a 270, I think, clean and jerk. And we're like, wow, that's that's fucking incredible. And I think what's incredible about us when you watch it, is the smoothness and the fluidity with which you hit that clean and jerk. And immediately when I saw that, you reminded me of a boss I had who was you know, born with actually one arm, uh, I think it was above the elbow, and then he had two legs that were above the knee. So he had basically two above the knee amputations for legs mm-hmm. and he was my boss, but he was fucking incre- an incredible worker and he would do everything very fluid. And I, I really thought about that. I was like, wow, he's been doing that since birth. So there was no hiccup. And yeah. I, when I saw you, I was like, I bet that's been since birth. Cause it's too damn fluid, <laughs> you know? Cause yeah. I, I feel like if that was a motorcycle accident when you're, you know, 20, yeah. it's not going to look like that, but. But, you, you know, one of the things I really recommend all the listeners to do is follow Casey on the Instagram, watch his movement, watch the fluidity of the movement, because I think when, when you hit those lifts, the hip hop has to be just right. Things have to be really, really nice. You actually can't get away with a lot of the bullshit you'll see on some of my videos, which is really cool. So we really appreciate those those videos. And I think you yeah. could really, if you're an adaptive athlete, especially especially if you're not an adaptive athlete, could really benefit from viewing some of Casey's work and really seeing the, the technique and, and how he's refined.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. Like, as a as a coach, you know, kind you kind of bring something up there that you know, with my movement, like you said, it, and, and you're totally right. It's it's repetition after repetition of you know, checking my ego and learning the movement correctly when I was whenever I was initially starting and and gradually building up to that, and not just trying to get from point A to point B as fast as possible, but you know, take all the steps in there to, you know, like you said, really nail down the, the technique and make everything fluid and efficient. And like, as a coach, I, I kind of can use myself as a little bit of a coaching cue. And like, just for example, with the clean, you know, and, and Mike Bergner talks about it all the time that in, in Olympic lifting, your arms are supposed to just be, he, he literally says straps that attach your hips to the bar. And like, it's a, it's a great example that for, for people who try to use way too much like upper body pull or something like that, I'm a perfect example of, you know, you can move a lot of weight, just allowing for your arms to be straps, as long as you're efficient with your positions throughout the pole and you get that bar into the right position on your hip, you, you can, you know, do that movement so much more efficiently and get so much more out of your lower body. If you're not, uh, you know, if you're not allowing for yourself to compensate, with your upper body or whatever. So yeah, 100%, definitely like always been super, super focused on efficiency of movement, quality of movement, building foundations of strength before, you know, trying to make big, huge improvements in, you know, strength, speed, and, and kind of working through those, those processes and making sure that as much as I am able to train Trying to you know build that base up as much as possible, and and just kind of slowly and gradually over the last few years, just just refine it as much as as much as I can.
3: Casey, okay, so I love when you talk about quality of movements. I think that's the the primary factor for doing this for a long time and being successful over a long time. So, as you were learning this and and kind of figuring out your path in fitness, did you have any mentors or people you can kind of think back to that kind of helped you along this path?
0: Yeah, I mean. Like I said, when I, when I first got started, I didn't really know that there was like these other adaptive athletes out there doing it. So it was a few years before I, I guess, you know, kind of had some, some peers who were similar to me to kind of look at and, and strive to, you know, kind of chase, you know, really beyond, beyond that, whenever I was early in CrossFit, like really just watching the top tier athletes and, and, you know, Rich Froning, I think that's just like an obvious one. Whenever I, whenever I got started, he was the guy and, you know, people talk about whenever he came onto the scene, one of the differences between him and a lot of the other guys that he was competing against is that the way he did his movements looked different. And the, the, what he was doing is that he was actually doing them correctly. And he had whether it was just him being a natural athlete or he kind of had the same mindset of like breaking movements down and really focusing on technique and efficiency first, you know, people kind of started talking about that pretty early, you know, around 2013, 2014, when he was making his runs through the games and and he was someone that I always idolized. And that was always a big, a big point of emphasis for him was that, you know, he, he looked like he was making the movements easy where at that time a lot of people looked as if they were just straining to complete every single rep he was he he looked like he was just out there kind of moving through the motion but it was it was something that was fluid and easy and i always kind of strive to you know kind of build that same capacity and that same ability so he's definitely one of them but other than that i you know as a as a coach and an athlete i've always also idolized coaches and so there's just a lot of coaches out there that.
4: If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop mixed in water once a day and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash Proven Grit. That's drinkag1.com slash Proven Grit. Check it out. I've
0: just always essentially tried to absorb every bit of content that they possibly could put out. You know, Mike Bergner when it comes to the Olympic lifting, guys like CJ Martin out of Invictus, James Fitzgerald out of OPEX, Ben Bergeron, Comp Train, like just all those, all those people. They put out so much content. And, you know, it's it's been kind of dual purpose for me and, and following them and looking at the things that they're doing as coaches and then how that applies to the athletes. I've been able to learn kind of twofold, you know. And it's helped him for me to improve as a coach and as an athlete. And then really other than that, like I said, my, one of my best friends who kind of got into CrossFit with me and who is now a business partner of mine, one of, one of the best coaches that I know. And he was someone who really, really helped me to break down movement and, see things that I was doing in my movement that I didn't realize I was doing and come up with ways for me to keep my, my right and left side balanced out and and things like that. So that's also been a huge factor for me is that I've kind of had a a pretty good team around me. Some other guys that I've trained that I trained with when I was in college that, you know, just really, really pushed me and, and forced me to, again, not get too carried away with the fanciness, but focus on the simple things that you can do day in and day out to, you know, like, like you guys kind of said, have some longevity in this thing. And, you know, with, with that, I'm, I'm lucky that, you know, seven years of training pretty seriously as an adaptive athlete, where it would be very, very likely for imbalances and and things like that to occur. I've, I've never had any type of serious injury that has, put me out any longer than like a week, maybe just some sorenesses or something like that. So I mean, I, I think that I can kind of attribute that to the the idea of building a, a solid base before you try to do anything too special.
2: That's very cool. I mean, from a physical standpoint, I guess I'm kind of the the mental mindset nerd of this podcast. Look, you could never get there without what you said up front. You're a growth mindset guy, right? We, we had a conversation Few episodes back, it was growth versus fixed, and we're just drawn to growth mindset folks on this podcast. Whether it's coaches, operators, athletes, whatever. Obviously, your groove—I you know, mean, you—that's you, your sweet spot. How do you, when you're doing your summit systems or working in the gym or whatever it may be, how do you get other people to buy into that? Because that—that's difficult. I have a lot of folks in my life that are—you know—they're really comfortable being fixed mindset people. It's a tough
0: switch. Yeah, you know, I honestly in and like in the adaptive community, we kinda get a lot of adaptive athletes kind of get pigeonholed as being like inspirational and motivational and and things like that. And like I would say I, I totally get that and I think that's great and whatever I can do to encourage people to, you know, just go move or, you know, do something that they were maybe afraid to do or whatever it might be is awesome. But what we try to really talk about with, with athletes that I coach with individuals who are just trying to be healthier and and improve their fitness for their, for their day-to-day life or whatever it may be is not so much focusing on trying to find ways to motivate yourself, but instead really finding a purpose like we we talk so much with our clients at Summit Systems about the importance of purpose in their fitness. Without purpose, you can easily get off course. But to me, I, I always tell people, and and I, you know I kind of I, I get the question from a lot of people, like how do you continue to just push yourself? How did you challenge yourself so much before you even knew it was going to be an opportunity for you to compete or, you know, do anything? And and like I I don't I've never really made any significant amount of money as a competitor or anything like that. So I think that being okay with not having any sort of extrinsic motivation, but instead finding some sort of internal purpose, whether that is you want to be able to keep up with your grandkids or you want to be the fittest adaptive athlete ever, whatever that purpose is, that each one of those goals and, and purposes has value to the person that owns them. So. I think that that's, at least for me and, and for whenever I'm, I'm communicating with my clients and, and trying to encourage people to be as adherent to, as possible to, to their fitness, to their lifestyle, to their nutrition, that, you know, find a deeper purpose. And so as a coach, we try to just have good conversations with our clients. And everyone, ha- we, we try to build some connection and some trust with our clients so that we can help them to find what that purpose may be. And CrossFit, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people can, can get lost in the weeds of like, why did they really walk into the gym to begin with? For some people, maybe it was to be a competitive athlete, but for some people, they were just looking for a reason, a, a way to be healthy and some sort of, you know, social interaction. So I think really getting down to the base of of why you're doing what you're doing is is probably step one for a lot of people, and then everything can branch off from that. Like for me, when when people ask me how do I go into the gym every single day and you know do two workouts while also trying to run a business and I have a young kid and blah you know all these things could be excuses to not hit my training or maybe skip a session or whatever. I just tell them that I have purpose. I, I have to, to me they're they're there's not any sort of, like, I don't have to encourage myself or hype myself up in any way to get myself to go hit, hit my training session. I have a goal and that goal I, I've made very clear to myself. I've taken the time, you know, in my mind to break down why that goal is important to me and, and that it's, it, it is for me and it's not for anybody else. I'm, I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. I, there, there's not an ego that's attached to my goals. So I know that, that my purpose and my goal is authentic. So there's, there doesn't have to be any sort of, you know, great sacrifice to go do my training sessions. What is and, that goal? I have a very intrinsic desire to ex- essentially, I want to be able to express my physical potential at a maximum level for as long as I can is one thing I want to be the f- be the fittest single arm athlete in the world, which again has nothing to do with my competitors. Like I, I don't, I don't view that as a goal for anybody else. To me, that, that is something that's strong enough to keep me, to keep me going. And then I also want to be a hero for my son. I have a, I have a two-year-old son and I want for him to view me as as one of his heroes. And for me, fitness and physical expression is a way that I can show to him what work ethic can do, what purpose can do, and how to operate your life as a strong man, as someone who is not selfish, and try to essentially teach him to also be a great example for anyone in his life.
1: Hey, see, I have a technical question. We're going to get back off of all the mindset. And that was great, great perspective there. With a snatch or a jerk in your position, mm-hmm. how, does, how does that feel for you? Because I thought about that and I'm thinking, well, it's tilting down on the left side, but is the left side taking less punishment or more punishment than the right? How does that feel for you? I'm just curious from, from my perspective, like how it would feel when you get that heavy weight up overhead.
0: Yeah, I would say it does there. It is different on my right and left side. I think like at this point I've, I've done so many reps that, you know, in essence it's natural. Like it, it feels normal to me. It it feels like both sides of my body are working relatively the same effort, maybe just a slightly different stimulus. So like, you know, an overhead position on my weaker side, since i'm essentially balancing that bar on top of the my nub like on the end of my arm i have to kind of be externally rotated in a different way than what you would be if you were you know pressing straight overhead so there's there's a slightly different sensation around the shoulder girdle and there is some some balance there in a way but yeah i mean at, at this point i've i've done so many repetitions and and progressed up to the point that i'm at that Ultimately, it feels you know pretty even on both sides. Now, for a long time, as an athlete when I was younger, before I had started coming up with modifications and adaptations for movements to be able to utilize my my weaker side as much, I had a serious imbalance. Obviously, with my right arm taking on so much more work, both in my sport itself and whenever I started doing you know some stuff in the weight room, I, I tended to just do a lot of single arm stuff because that was the only thing I kind of knew how to do. So whenever I I first kind of started developing these things, there was a clear strength imbalance that over time I, through just practicing the movements themselves, but also just doing like some good functional bodybuilding and isolating my left side and finding some ways to modify movements to where I can use my left, my left shoulder a little bit more. I've, I've kind of balanced that out a little bit. Definitely right arm is still stronger, but I've, I've kind of evened up that gap a little bit, which I think has allowed for everything to improve. I think at a certain point, I was just going to be plateaued and limited by the, the strength in my left shoulder girdle and the stabilization around my left scapula, that there was just going to be a certain point that... I could keep trying to do jerks and overhead squats and snatches and it was never going to keep going up until I kind of took some steps back and got things rebalanced out to, you know, kind of sure that up a little bit.
1: That's cool. Yeah. I was thinking about it because cause with the with the shorter lever, I'm thinking if you build that up, it might be a slight, I don't want to say advantage, but like, does it almost feel like you know you have that left side built up? You could almost handle a little bit more on that left, or is it still pretty equal?
0: Yeah. I mean, there are some there are some things that like when you watch me do the movement pattern, it, it appears as if you know what's happening at the humerus and at the shoulder joint looks the same side to side. But actually to me, I'm I'm maybe feeling something a little different. So push-ups, for example. I, what I do for pushups is I stack up plates underneath my left arm to where when I'm in that, you know, that plank position, it's the same, the same, you know, length on my left and my, my right side. The difference is that I'm not doing as much action at my elbow joint. So like whenever I'm doing a set of pushups, it's very Pectoral and deltoid dominant, and my my tricep feels almost nothing when I'm doing push-ups. Whereas, like for a lot of people, triceps can be a, a limiter in in a push-up. So I might be feeling totally fine on my left shoulder, whereas like my right tricep is screaming or whatever, and that's that's my limiter. So yeah, in some cases there, there can be some ways that it's a little bit of an advantage. all, all my buddies and, and people at the gym that I beat in workouts. And then they got to come up with reasons why that they always joke with me and tell me that the reason that they lost a workout to me is because their left forearm was getting really tired. So I, I never feel any left forearm grip fatigue. So,
1: <laughs> Well, that's a great perspective. I'm sorry. Me and Rob are both physical therapists. So I'm just thinking about this from like a PT side of thing, you know, if I had yeah. a patient like you, so that's, that's great info, man there. Thanks a lot for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's like definitely been times where I'm like getting a stimulus in my left arm that is new or over time, I I'm starting to feel that things on my left side, you know, maybe weren't moving correctly. So like I always tell people, like for me to do kipping pull-ups, for example, what the, the position that I'm putting my left shoulder in is way wrong like i just it's not the position that your shoulder should be in in any sort of like dynamic rotation and also trying to perform you know flexion and extension of the shoulder and all those things because to grip the strap that i use i'm essentially turning very very internally rotated so i'm i'm holding onto a strap here and i'm almost doing like a a pull down when i'm when i'm doing a pull up here you know, it's, it's very internally rotated and pulled on. So it's very pec dominant on a pulling pattern actually. So just over time, I've learned that I, I have to do some extra things to just keep this shoulder healthy. So I, I, I just add in a lot of external rotation movements because my external rotation is very tight because of all the internal rotation dominant things that I do. Or a lot of scap rotation and positioning work, scap pushups, scap depressions, hanging on a pull-up bar, lots of things like that. And I've also just learned how to hit the correct stimulus in certain patterns as well. So like for horizontal pulling movements, I learned over time that if I was holding onto like a strap, like let's say I'm doing a, a bent over barbell row. If I was holding onto a strap when I'm internally rotated and trying to pull back, I'm not really hitting the correct external rotation and kind of like lat activation that you want to be doing when you're pull when you're doing like a horizontal pull. So I learned that if I take some longer straps and like wrap it around my arm to where instead of the the weight of the bar pulling here. I'm I'm positioned externally rotated and it, the weight actually pulls on my elbow then I can pull that bar straight back and hit that lat activation and rear delt activation that is you know essentially you're supposed to be doing when you're doing a horizontal pull so just other examples like that where just kind of over time I've I've learned same same thing with just strict pull-ups for a long time I would do strict pull-ups with my arm here and I'm pulling straight down Whereas you actually want to be externally rotated so that you can get, you know, a little bit less trap work and get that scap, you know, retracted down to where you're actually targeting your lat a little bit more. So just things like that over time have allowed for me to make my shoulders so much healthier than, than what they were whenever I first started. And I was just trying to like do all these crossfit movements, you know,
3: it's fascinating hearing that breakdown. Cause you. He- as PTs, we kind of nerd out on movements, and then you have like a whole nother layer that you need to to break down movements. Yeah. With. So it, I think it gives you even deeper perspective and and kind of helps your coaching. So absolutely, going into Summit Systems, tell us a little bit: is this on site? Is it remote? What kind of clients do you have? And is like CrossFit methodology like the biggest backbone for your for your coaching? And you also mentioned James Fitzgerald with OPEX. I know he's kind of deviated from the typical CrossFit model. So what what does your coaching model look like?
0: Yeah. So Summit Systems actually follows closer to the OPEX model. I I coached group classes for a very long time. And I guess kind of long story short, in the the town that I'm in, the the group model is watered down a little bit. It's the, the population that we live in is low relative to the amount of CrossFit gyms that exist here. And so managing a CrossFit gym for a long time, I just kind of saw the writing on the wall that you know, to be profitable as a coach, that may be something that I needed to deviate from. I, I, I loved the group model and, and I, I tried to really, in, in some ways, change a, a little bit of the, the, the practices of that CrossFit gym that I was at. It had gotten very competitive mindset with a lot of people who really, I guess, I, I don't want to say didn't have any part in that, but there were so many people there that were there for the sake of health that were suffering because the the programming wasn't geared towards that. So whenever I started managing that CrossFit gym, I I tried to kind of work in some of this like quality bodybuilding movements to kind of for a day or two break away from that intensity focused kind of mindset. Which worked really well for a long time, and I enjoyed it, and and the, a lot of the members were very receptive to that. And then at a certain point, just you know, being really not having any upward mobility, I, I decided to deviate, branch away, and me and my two best friends started Summit Systems. So, yeah, we do individualized coach fitness coaching. Our clientele is ranges all kinds of strata. So we have people who are just getting out of physical therapy and are deciding that they need to start exercising for the first time in their lives. And we have, you know, CrossFit, pretty serious CrossFit athletes. We, we coach both on site and remote. So we do have a, a gym that we just opened in January of 2020. And then also, yeah, have the, have the remote business as well. So that allows for us to, you know, coach people of all different levels and, and backgrounds and definitely CrossFit definitely still has a big part in some of the the programming and, and you know, some of the principles that we follow, but we are also, we, we all did the OPEC CCP coaching program as well. So that kind of expands on, you know, different ways to go about implementing, you know, mixed modal fitness and and things like that, and, and kind of building long-term lifelong progressions for people. And and also, you know, digging into lifestyle and, and nutrition and that type of thing was one thing that I felt like I was limited on in the group model and coaching individuals. It just allows for me to dig a lot deeper into that with people as well, which, you know, we all know that that's, that's a huge part in, in fitness and performance, you know, in everything.
2: Awesome, man. Well, we're at about the 30 minute mark. So before we let you out of here, we, we like to get every guest out on the same, you know, a couple really important questions. The first one is the most important. It's your favorite non-alcoholic seltzer.
0: Favorite non-alcoholic seltzer is Spindrift. Spindrift Grapefruit. A new one, huh? I don't think anyone said Spindrift yet, guys. Spin Spindrift Grapefruit is the best seltzer that exists and well, that's
1: the one with the actual grapefruit in it i've had that before it's pretty yeah. solid
0: Noah olsen Noah olsen's big on spindrift they he was just in a like a blog a couple months ago where he was like you have everyone go try spindrift it's so much better than the croix so much better than than all the other ones yeah i'm looking for it now all right good. yeah
1: I think they have it. Is it, do they have it at Aldi? I, I've got it before. They,
0: they do, but you know how Aldi is like they'll have something. And then once you fall in love with it, I, it's gone forever. Casey, watch it. Watch for here.
2: Here <laughs> we go. Let's go, bro. We're, <laughs> yeah. We are Aldi stands uh, here.
0: We are, I I am too. And that's where I first found it. They had it at Aldi. And then it's like, I can't find it anymore, but you can order it online. So
1: Rob, I got to give you a shout out too. were you the one that told me about Parmesan crisps at Aldi? Yeah. Oh.
0: Absolutely.
1: Oh. Um, because I've been putting those in my salad. Not to mention I love they're fucking those. delicious. It's so good. And Casey knows what I'm talking about. Not only are they fucking love, delicious, we get 13 love, grams of protein.
0: Yeah. yeah yes. I, I gotta find these. I gotta find like, these. Such a better like replacement for chips.
1: Croutons, too. Yeah. It's like yeah. the best chip. Because I'm a, like my weakness, like tortilla chips, like any kind of salty snack I love. So that's a great little replacement. You get a lot of yes. protein. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful little snack there. So, yeah, I was going to say, watch your P's and Q's. If you're going to talk shit on Aldi on this podcast, Rob might hunt you down. <laughs> Speaking of hunting you down, too, where is your gym located in the country? Because, you know, we, we have a we have a fucking growing national and international audience. So where can where can everyone find you, Casey? Where's your
0: gym? So we are located in Decatur, Illinois. So essentially smack dab in the middle of Illinois.
1: Great. And, and so, so let's say, let's say somebody walks in your gym. This is our second question mm-hmm. and they, they do X. What, what are they doing that you look at them and say, that person is strong. Some examples we had on the podcast, Elijah Muhammad gave double bodyweight front squat. He said that if somebody, he saw somebody do a double bodyweight front squat, he would define that person as strong. So outside of, you know, mental fortitude and all that bullshit, which is important, but but not for this. What is the what is the lift or what is the thing that you look at and see somebody? Hey, that, that dude's strong, or that that
0: woman. Oh, strong? man, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I would probably say like a fifty percent body weight strict strict pull up. Uh, so like body weight plus fifty percent would be a, a pretty solid feat. And I have some I have some remote athletes that are like insane, like 75% body weight, strict pull-ups. That's definitely up there. The double, the double body weight front squat. That's, that's pretty good. I I also would say like a a one minute parallel L sit is like a pretty insane. That's maybe not so much strength, but if you can do like a damn
1: impressive, (laughs) uh, (laughs)
0: that's, that's something that I always, every once in a while, I'll spend like four weeks trying to, to build up to a one minute parallel l-sit that's i think if you can do that your core is probably pretty solid and it has to be has to be a real l-sit like knees are straight toes are pointed and heels are above your hips anything else doesn't count
2: how about a 342
0: two four by front squat bro that was <laughs> that was awesome saw that video yeah, man. It it, yes yeah so the reason i got so fired up when i hit that is because so, first off, I just had done the the 120 wall balls, 120 calorie row before that. I used I <laughs> I used that as my warm up for the day. <laughs> I hit when I started that workout, I hit 317 for 4 as like an initial weight. I jumped right to 342. I hit three like solid reps and then I just like totally broke down on the fourth rep and I dropped it. I had to unload my bar, reload it on the rack. I dropped down. I hit 332. And then I was like, well, now what do I do? Do I go 337? I was like, no, fuck it. I'm going 342 again. Put 342 back on and, and hit it. So I just had to focus a little bit better, get myself a little bit fired up. That's awesome. How, <laughs> hey, how was the 120-120? How did you do there? It, wasn't, it was not great the wall balls are, I'm solid on wall balls. Like I, I've done Karen unbroken multiple times and whew, I just, as, as essentially just pacing, I broke it down. I just, I went 60, 40, 20, just to give myself kind of some breaks there towards the end. Cause rowing is not a strong point for me. I'm just not, not just the fact that I'm holding on to the, the, the handle with my hand and an elbow, but I'm, I'm, in essence, more of like an aerobic athlete and power, maintaining high power on the rower has never been like a strong point for me. So I I definitely that 120 calorie row was, was not easy. It was, it was a bit of a grind for me. And I I let my, I let my pace slip down a little bit lower than what I would have liked to hit on that. I I was really hoping to stay around 1200 Calories per hour and I, I let it slip down around a thousand for ah, yeah. for a good chunk of it and then still I had a pretty decent finish I, I just told myself to man up and, and finish hard so like that last 30 or 40 calories I kind of just pushed a little bit but uh, all, I mean grand scheme of things went went fine given the fun fact workout I thought it was a I thought it was yeah a fun it is a fun workout and I, I love workouts like that they're that just like simple there's it's not simple. any, it's like it's really just how bad are you willing to hurt. You know, it's just you know, go get it. Yep. You know, given given what we had done, what I had done the day before with the the dumb the the strict handstand push up and dumbbell clean workout, which that's my worst score workout because I'm not able to do dual dumbbell cleans. So I ended up I ended up just doing like a seventy pound single dumbbell. Reported my score as ten reps for the the strict handstand push ups and went ahead and finished much of the workout as I could, but then the 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 best workout for me over the weekend was the, the GHD rope climb and pistol. I ended up placing 134th in North America on that one, which for me, GHDs and pistols are, are strong movements, but I could definitely feel them the next day.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. That's, that's a lot of volume.
3: Yeah. All right, Casey, last, last question here. And uh, yeah. just a reminder, all these questions are brought to you by Aldi. So, <laughs> <laughs> when you're going for that, front, like that front squat, what, what song are you putting on the stereo? What's your, what's your PR songs? We're going to add this to the strategy of fitness hitters official playlist.
0: Okay. Well, I'll disclaim this by saying that I'm, I don't really have PR songs. I don't really have like any type of pump up music. Like I, I literally could listen to like, acoustic or piano music and do like a strength session and be fine. Maybe like, like I guess kind of like what I said, I don't need the extrinsic motivation to, to get myself going. I did on that. I, I cranked up my music a little bit more. I was listening to, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. I was listening to a band that's called Burden of a Day, which is like a throwback post hardcore kind of metal screamo band the song that I was listening to is called modern gentlemen by burden of a day. And it's, it's a pretty good pump up song for sure. That's a, that's a new one for the great. list. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that, I listen to like some, I mean, they're, the band is not even a band anymore. Never had a song, hit song or anything like that. Like I, I listen to a bunch of like underground stuff. That's just kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm a hipster and I don't even realize it or something.
2: <laughs> oh man, you might be. You might be. Who knows?
0: It could be worse. Yeah. Strong one at least. Thanks. All right. So, how can people find you on on the way out here, man? So, people can follow me on Instagram. My handle is at Coach Casey Acree. That's C A S E Y A C R E E. Also, you can follow Summit Systems. It's just at Summit Systems. S U M M I T S Y S T E M S. We also can find uh, our website, SummitSystems Like I said, we do we do remote coaching for all kinds of of individuals. I have clients that are Navy SEALs. I have clients that are CrossFit athletes. I have clients that are, you know, just need some, need some good, solid fitness in their life. So yeah, that's, that's where people can find me. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining. Love the perspective and we'll be in touch, man. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Casey. Thank you.
2: Hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, a lot of wisdom and a great mindset. And Dan, I like some of the questions you asked to actually get pretty technical on, on the actual physicality of it.
1: that I was I'm fascinated by it. I, I love that shit. And like you said, you know, I, I think me and Rob both like the challenge of working with these kind of adaptive, you know, persons. And everyone's an adaptive athlete at a certain point in time. We're always working through injuries or working around tightnesses. So I think that everyone can learn something from that and just the ingenuity with which you use, you know, think about if you if you have a bum shoulder, you know, and you know, hearing Casey talk about how he uses that's everyone can take something from that. So I like how it might not seem actionable because you probably will have both limbs tomorrow, but it will be actionable because I guarantee you have a weakness. I guarantee you have a mobility deficit, a strength deficit that you can hammer within your accessory work to build up the, the totality of you as an athlete.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I thought it was great and I, I'm glad you dug in there because you know me, I go right to mindset and I stick there and I, I believe that's actual, but then when he starts talking about how to do these movements properly, I thought, I thought you hit some gold there.
1: Both, I think the mindset with him too. We could learn a hell of a lot from that too. You know, yeah. Us bitching about X, Y, or Z, it's like you know, just get the job done, figure out a way. You know, what'd you stream this week, bud? So this is not something that is like a like a underground stream, or you know, I'm not giving you a documentary, but I will say it's it's running out on Netflix to go watch it. The Dark Knight. I mean, The Dark Knight is really, and I put I said last night, this got to be a top ten movie. I fucking love the big scenes with the city comes in. Every line is perfect. The acting is perfect. The characters are perfect. And I fucking hate these superhero movies, but The Dark Knight is a top 10 movie all time. And if you haven't watched a while, if you think about it, which is really crazy, makes me feel old. It's 13 years old. It was made in 2008. Man, does it still hold up. It's still like the technology still there. It really holds up even even in modern day. So isn't it? I watched The Dark Knight in a while. Just
3: yeah. Yeah. It, that, that always blew my mind at that movie because it's like it seems like it's really graphic, but it's not. Like the pencil trick on there, like you don't show anything, but you still feel yes, it. Yes, like yeah. That movie is just it, it's and, and, top and, the and bottom so well done. And and
1: the one of the most savage scenes ever, too, is when they when all the guys are killing each other in the heist in the beginning. And my daughter's down there for the beginning, and I forgot how violent it was. And these guys are just shooting each other, like, yeah, he told me to kill you. And then at the end, the Joker just mows the driver down with a an Uzi, and I'm like, Well. Probably not the best choice for Bailey, but stream it, but not with your kids.
3: Hey, there's a school bus there, so something still <laughs> appeals yeah, to, appeal to kids, it. kids,
2: yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just watched that with G and th- maybe four or five nights ago. We rolled right into Iron Man 1, 2, and 3 wow. after that, so I'm right behind you on Father of the over here.
1: I can <laughs> tell the, the half-ass parent thing was an all-time high one. I just see out there with a canteen and a goddamn trampoline. I, I was wondering if you bought the trampoline for the weekend because the, the women folk were away. <laughs>
3: Get jumping, kids! Hey, let me let me ask uh, you this: Are you guys going to be streaming Mortal Kombat next week when it comes out on HBO Max? Are you are you big like original yes. Mortal Kombat fans?
1: Oh, sure, yes. sure, right. absolutely. Which made me and I, there's a great podcast called the Rewatchables on Bill Simmons Network. Where they just take these old movies and kind of break them down. I can't recommend highly enough the Bloodsport Rewatchables and then actually rewatching Bloodsport, which is a huge influence on Mortal Kombat. But Bloodsport now. I watched it when I was five years old, and me and my buddy Josh Marvel had a kumite in my backyard, and he almost broke my fucking leg. So definitely don't let your five-year-old watch, but can't recommend Bloodsport, highly enough. That might be another stream of the week.
2: I better do my boy Johnny Cage right, it's all I know in this one. (laughs) When when he drops down in that straddle and hits Goro in the balls, (laughs) don't fuck with me. (laughs) (laughs) Now everyone's favorite segment, I got some music for this week. Couple smokers. We got (laughs) Rob. I can't. Music's up. Music. music.
1: Can you? Is that a song? Because we can have Dan like put that in. You know.
2: I don't know. I I I just Googled western music and the first thing that came up was epic wild western music seven million views on youtube it's pretty sick that was dope
3: so th- this this evening i got i, I put a couple ribeyes on the on the trigger went high heat and then low heat to get it to a medium rare i've been sous vide my steaks a lot lately but weather's nice and man steak off that trigger it just can't be beat i don't care if you got a, a rec tech green egg the trigger is just just best in class
2: yeah, it's not, but 100% <laughs> agree. Uh, look, the thing is about this and it's it's such a misconception for everyone out there that you cannot sear on a smoker. You surely can. Again, I recommend the sear kit that you can buy for 80 bucks. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> Rectex got Rectech's got them by the balls, Rob. They got them by the balls.
2: I recommend <laughs> Well, no, your they- <laughs> kit. If you do use uh, the code strategy of fitness at checkout and get $0 (laughs) off our second unofficial sponsor. I didn't do anything cool this week other than, you know, I usually do a rub. I usually do a rub with my chicken for the week this week. I did an actual marinade came out just as good, even more juicy. So going to get that in the rotation. That's that. What do we got for hitters?
1: Yeah. Mm. I I use Alex King's. Music to work out a lot. He has like his own playlist to, who listens to podcasts. And one of the songs popped up old Outcast song, The Artist Storytelling Part Two by Outcast, which is an absolute, absolute hitter.
3: I got a song by the dudes named The Dress. I don't know anything about them, but
2: it's, it's making the list. Like it. I got Halifax. Song is called Sydney. You guys will like it. I don't know that one either. And that's that. Yeah, it's, I don't think anyone's ever heard it. But I feel like it's from like, I don't know, 04, 05. All right, boys, next week, we'll either be doing wearables. We have a couple guests lined up. We're just trying to figure out, you know, when to fit them in. But it's fun as usual. Always. Good night.
3: Later.